Welcome to God at Work, Stories of Grace and Faith. I'm your host, Chuck Groover, and today I'm bringing you basically this season's uh, Christmas special as I wrap up Season 3 by continuing to look at some of Charles Wesley's hymns, focusing on two of his Christmas hymns. The first hymn I'd like to look at is one that probably many of us are familiar with. Um, I know it was one that I pretty much heard every year growing up around Christmas time. And it's one that I know in the past I'd seen that it was Charles Wesley that wrote it, and it, it just didn't really... But it still, when I was researching Charles Wesley for the podcast, it kind of surprised me a bit that he wrote it, and that was uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, this hymn first appeared in the 1739 collection Hymns and Sacred Poems, and the modern version has basically lyrical contributions from both Charles Wesley and uh, George Whitfield. And it was eventually put to music that was adapted from some of the music by Felix Mendelssohn. Uh, the hymn was originally titled A Hymn for Christmas Day. And originally it started out, Hark, how all the welkin rings, glory to the King of Kings. Where welkin was kind of an old, kind of especially now, archaic term for heavens. Uh, George Whitfield, his contribution to it was that he later changed those two lines to what we are more familiar with, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. And then later on, in, and that was done in 1754. Uh, when he put it into his into the collection of into basically collection of hymns for social worship, and then in 1782, in what is known as the new version of the Psalms of David, uh, that's when we start to see the repetition of that line, Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the Newborn King, added to the end of each stanza or verse, which is how it is commonly sung today. Uh, Wesley originally envisioned the song actually being sung to a different tune than what we sing it to now. Uh, basically, he saw it being sung to the same tune as his Easter song, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. And actually, in some hymnals, we will find you will find that both tunes are actually provided. The more traditional one that we're used to, plus that tune. And the tune again, the tune that we're more more familiar with is one that basically William Cummings in 1855 adapted from some of the secular music of Felix Mendelssohn, uh, basically from his 
Feskesang. I probably butchered that that word. Um, is the tune that we're more familiar with. Also, Hark the Herald Angel Sing is actually regarded as one of the great four Anglican hymns, of which when I looked up information on what the actual great four hymns were, two of those four, basically one of them being Hark the Herald Angel Sing, were actually written by Charles Wesley which pretty much kind of goes to show how the title of probably greatest hymn writer easily could fall on him, especially when, and I'll have the link to the article, it talks about other very popular hymns that were high-ranking and he has like another couple in that list too. And out of all of them being, I think when I looked, was just about the only hymn writer not basically to be listed more than once. Wesley's goal in write again Wesley's goal in writing hymns was basically to teach the poor and illiterate sound doctrine and Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a good example of that which also follows the rich theological tradition of many Christmas carols uh, he was inspired pretty much by the hearing the the London bells on Christmas Day while walking to church and this song that came, basically came out of that inspiration 200 years over 200 years later is basically been a gospel saturated anthem that points people to the Savior where each pretty much it goes through pretty, the whole gospel, the first verse basically talking about the good news of Christ's birth and then followed up by pretty much the mysticism and good news regarding his coming and it ends with the his Christ's accomplishment on the cross and the power that it brings. The next hymn I want to look at today <clears throat> and unfortunately there's not too much of stories really behind either of them but the other hymn and as I'll point out later it's one that's not really all that well known as a Christmas song it probably is more recognized recently as a Christmas song because of a lot of Christian artists starting to include, include it in their Christmas albums. But I know it wasn't really until you started seeing a lot of these artists like Chris Tomlin and them recording the song for Christmas albums that I even knew of this song. 
uh, and that is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Uh, it came about ba basically this song in 1744. Wesley was looking at uh, and kind of reflecting on Haggai 2 7. He was also kind of observing the situation of the orphans in, in around the areas around him as well as just the class divide in general within Great Britain. And basically it was through his observations and kind of meditating on it and dwelling on, on all, all this that uh, basically come the long expected Jesus was written and it was pretty much based upon Haggai 2.7 as well as a published prayer at the time from the notes that I which I'll have linked to as well I'm not sure if it was a prayer that he published or if it was just a general prayer that was published by someone it didn't really say who wrote who wrote it or whatnot but the prayer was born your people to deliver Born a child, and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now your gracious kingdom bring. By your own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone, by your all-sufficient merit, raise us to your glorious throne. Basically, again, this prayer, Wesley adapted into the hymn. And he actually published it in his Hymns for the Nativity of Our Lord, which was published around the same time, 1744, with the intent for people to remember Advent and Christmas as a time of commemorating the Nativity of Jesus, <clears throat> while also preparing for the Second Coming. Much like a hymn I discussed I can't remember if it was the first season, I believe it was, first season I did Joy to the World. And again, a Christmas hymn that we tradition a hymn that we traditionally sing at Christmas time that has a lot of focus towards the second coming. Uh, this hymn uh, come that long expected Jesus pretty much came into popular knowledge through the help of a Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who, at when he was 21, basically again in 1855, must be something about uh, Wesley's Christmas hymns and that year, 1855. But uh, Spurgeon took bits and pieces of this hymn and basically included the sections of it into his Christmas sermon. Uh, he did this in order to illustrate that few are born king, and that Jesus was the only one to be born king without first being a prince. Uh, as a result of uh, its growing popularity, this hymn started basically to appear in the various hymnals uh, starting with the Wesleyan hymn book which was published in 1875 uh, 
after it had previously been excluded from the hymn book. And that was due pretty much to it not really having any official suitable music that was intended for it. Uh, it was, I guess, sung to various different tunes. And again, as I mentioned from my experience in recent times, Come That Long Expected Jesus has not been as well known as a Christmas carol as some of the others written around that same time, such as, again, Joy to the World. But, again, it is just like Joy to the World, it is still used to focus on the hope of the Second Coming. Uh, the lyrics for the hymn basically focus on God choosing to provide a Messiah to the world in the form of Jesus, as well as also focusing on the Old Testament Israelites and their longing for the Messiah to come and take the burden of his sins, take the burden of sins from them and to take them upon himself. It is also believed that the last line of the first verse was basically inspired by the 17th century philosopher Blaise Pascal who had the claim about basically there's about basically there being a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person that cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God the Creator. So that was come that long expected Jesus um, and as I said not really much of any stories really behind them but there were just some interesting facts about them but one thing I would say especially as this uh, episode is being posted on December 1st which Coincidentally, this year is also the first Sunday of Advent, which is the Hope Sunday, and kind of taking a loose definition of hope, and not fully the hope that we're supposed to be focusing on today, but I just hope that you enjoyed hearing about these two Christmas hymns written by Charles Wesley. And again, as we enter the Advent season, I just, again, would like you to, or suggest that you kind of just take the time to read and reflect on not only the lyrics of these two great hymns, but also some of the more traditional uh, Christmas hymns. I won't say Christmas carols, because I know there are a lot of Christmas carols, Christmas songs out there that aren't. Christ focused but the ones that are Christ focused joy to the world hark the herald angels sing angels we have heard on high I just ask that you just take the time again to read and reflect on the lyrics
So again, this is Chuck Groover on Charles Wesley, The Christmas Hymns, and that's God at Work. God at Work, Stories of Grace and Faith, is brought to you by Becoming God's Man Ministries and is written and produced by Charles Groover. If you have any questions, comments, or stories of how God has worked in your life that you would like to share, you can contact us at stories at godatworkpodcast.com or by leaving a voicemail or texting 727-315-0830. If you would like to support God at Work or Becoming God's Man Ministries, you can find out how by going to either GodAtWorkPodcast.com or BecomingGodsMan.com. Opening theme is Fine Line and closing theme is Airline, both by Geographer and obtained from the YouTube Audio Library. And as always, thank you for listening.